What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Smoke Pit. I'm joined today by my good friend and three-time former colleague, Tim Hendrickson, perhaps better known by his pen name, T.R. Hendricks. Uh, Tim was a tanker and Army intel officer. Uh, for a while, he was a celebrity bodyguard uh, and most recently authored the book, The Instructor. So without further ado, Tim, welcome to the Smoke Pit. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks uh, for this opportunity. I've been looking forward to it for a long time now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to make this happen for a minute now, and uh, finally got it. Is yeah. it? Um, what do you What do you prefer, that Tim or 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 Tr? I, I go by Tim. Tim is fine. Um, okay. Tr is just kind of like my my feigned attempt at having a pen name. You know, just. Uh, Okay. I, I honestly, it, it's like an old joke um, that I that I said in like high school or something to one of my teachers. I said, you know, if I ever get published, I'm, you know, uh, I'm gonna have uh, my name be shortened to T. R. Hendricks because if I did Timothy Robert Hendrickson, it wouldn't fit. You know, so yeah, no, that yeah. that that's a little cumbersome. Doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you've been you've been aspiring to write for a minute, then. I mean, if if you were talking about this in in high school. Sure. I mean, um, I would say my my serious pursuit of becoming published was about uh, eight, nine years ago, I'd say like like 2014 time frame is when I really started to pursue it um, as as a goal to achieve, you know, and, and take seriously this idea that, yeah, I've, I've got the chops, I can actually make this happen. Uh, if I put, you know, put the work in and whatnot. But in terms of like imagination and writing, I've been doing that since, yeah, well, like middle school, you know, and it's just whatever kind of concept or, or genre pops into my head at the moment. I'm like, oh, that would be a cool story or that would make a, it actually started as like, oh, that would make a cool movie because we watched a ton of movies growing up. We didn't have um, cable TV in my house. Uh, but I had a brother that worked in the public library and they had a huge like VHS collection. So he would come home from work with two uh, VHS tapes, like every shift. So we just consumed movies all the time. I can't tell you how many times I watched like the original Batman with Michael Keaton, you know, oh, yeah. and, and just, I mean, and like the Indiana Jones series, we just like wore those tapes out, you know? So um, that's, that's where the concept would come from. I'd be like, oh, that'd make a great movie. And then, uh, later on, you know, as I started reading novels myself, like, oh, that's a cool idea. That would make a cool book. And I just started, you know, writing. I had no, um, concept of what I was doing, obviously, you know, it was just like, I love action sequences, so I'm going to write action. I don't care about character development or plot or whatever. <laughs> just like, how do we get to the next battle scene? You know, how do we fight yeah. the next dragon? And that was yeah. that was kind of like the driving force. But, you know, it's like any other muscle. You, you work it out enough, it gets stronger. So uh, I, I just kept doing it and doing it. I, I passed a lot of time overseas just, just free writing and typing away, you know, uh, in the downtime. And uh, eventually got the uh the concept for the instructor that brought me to where we are today very cool then all, yeah. all you needed at that point was a cool pen name yeah exactly you know and and and, I, and the, the the testament to my writing abilities that's the best i could come up with so yeah <laughs> now of course i don't i don't know how much we can i don't know how much we can talk about this but your original handle when i met you was like a three-letter abbreviation 
and then I had a, a similar call sign. <laughs> Man, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta jog my memory on these things. I don't these, know. Again, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And yeah, 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 yeah there we yeah, go. Yeah. And, and GDPA, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> um yes that was a fun time it was it's such a long time ago that's that's why and then the memory is uh is mush but yeah yeah we were we were in the same bodyguard firm you know the executive protection agency that, that we worked in and that was a um an interesting time to say the least you know it was an interesting time that was a hectic. very was, hectic you know getting yeah. Getting a call at uh, eleven thirty at night that you need to be in Connecticut in twenty five minutes. Uh, I'm like, okay, but you do realize, like, I have to go through the city. Like, I can't just drive over the Long Island Sound. There's no bridge yeah, there. This isn't yet in black. We don't have yeah. a car. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to go. I got to kind of go around, and there's the merit, and and you know, it's it's going to take a little more than twenty five minutes. I'll get there, yeah. but you know, you got to yeah. work with me here. Yeah. I, yeah, I think my favorite one was I, I get a call uh, and I was I was in Atlanta at the time and they're like, hey, we need you in California for for maybe maybe a week at the most. Yeah. I'm like, uh, OK, so I, I pack two suits. I fly out there. It turned into like a two and a half, three week detail living in a hotel, like washing my suits in the hotel washing machine. Oh, <laughs> uh, nice. It was exhausting. Oh, yeah. And, I, they, they, they pulled that one on me, too, where they sent me out to. Uh, some estate from some exceedingly obscenely rich person and they had this estate right on the pacific ocean and um you actually had to do rounds on a golf cart because the property was so huge wow um and part of the rounds was going into the actual mansion the, the primary residence and walking around the, the the owners weren't there at the time they were gone we were just solely there to protect the estate and all the valuables yeah. inside and everything and uh i walked around in that place and there were just racks and racks of women's dresses i guess the principal spouse or maybe she was the principal herself i don't remember but she's a big collector of of nice clothing and uh every time i turned around i could have swore one of those dresses was moving <laughs> and I, I walked out of there that first night and I said, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that this place is haunted as fuck. Like, I mean, <laughs> it is haunted and I'm going to be possessed by a ghost by the end of this detail. So, yeah. Was, well, I can't, wait to, I can't wait to read that book, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a couple of ghost story books in mind. Yeah. <laughs> but nice. I don't know. That, that might evaluate the NDA if I go on that one. <laughs> Probably. Probably, I uh, I would have loved to have had a golf cart for this one because the, the the day started with like, you know, a quarter mile walk up the serpentining uphill driveway to the estate, Ugh. and then it's like so. So I had a partner on this detail, and we okay. would end up getting there. I insisted that we got there like thirty to forty five minutes early, so that we could you know go up and you know you got to show up in full kit. Yeah, you can't. You couldn't yeah, you show, can't up show up in that dress once you're there. Yeah. So, all right, full kit, body armor, the whole nine, get up to the state, check in. And then before clocking in, I would just like spend 30 minutes naked in the bathroom, cooling <laughs> off. I mean, this one bathroom I found with a great air conditioning vent that just blew right down on the toilet. Oh, I'm just sprawled out. <laughs> the whole, 
like my body armor on the floor drying out. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, it's I just love that it didn't look like a sloppy swamp monster. Right. You know, we, we, we want you to be as, as, you know, tailored and polished as possible in front of the client. Oh, by the way, we're going to make you wear and carry all this stuff. And, um, you know, you're going to do it in, in the most dank, humid temperatures around. So, you know, look dapper, but don't sweat. Okay. There you go. Sound, there sounds good, go. guys. <laughs> no, it was, it was the same it was, thing, actually, at the, at the next place we worked together at uh, mm. what was it? Summit, Summit Security. Yeah, at Summit Security. They're, um, um, they got sold, actually. They're they're no longer. Well, you know that. I think yeah, I well, remember. I think you're well aware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I ended up going and working for for the people who bought them. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. In but fact, yeah, I was working for the people who bought them when they were bought. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. The summit um, had that that wonderful um, got to wear a suit every day policy, and uh, yeah. that in mixing with the new york city july august weather where you're walking past heaps of hot wet garbage and going into the subways which are like the seventh level of hell you know it just, yeah. just I, I, seventh I, level of hell with, with like wading pools of piss everywhere yeah that too yeah, yeah. And, and then and then you know get onto the long island railroad which is so much fun as well you know, standing room only, just you know, people yelling, old ladies throwing things at you, you know, because you, yeah. you, you won't scrunch in the other half inch that you have left of your own personal space. <laughs> I loved commuting. I loved commuting into the city. It was great. Oh, yeah. That's a spectacular time. I used to say, like, when I would commute into the city, you, you remember that scene from The Gladiator when they're, like, going up the the ramp to the Coliseum and you can yeah. hear the <laughs> screams and the, and the, 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 the charge of the crowd and everything sure. and the doors open. That was me going up that escalator that led to seventh Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> I could see the lights. I could hear the sounds of the Coliseum and I'm just ready to fucking kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first, the first tourist that doesn't know how to walk and gets right in your way to take a picture, you know? Oh, yeah. God forbid they do that on, like, the subway stuff. Oh, this makes a nice shot. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> New Yorkers are nice. We're not this violent. Yeah. What you said. <laughs> so, before we started working together in the civilian world, um, yeah, yeah you, you were in the Army, too, man. You started right. off as, as, as a tanker is that right yeah, yeah as correct a, as a dat, i was a, i was a tanker i was you know full of the the twisted steel and sex appeal as we like to say you know in the in the armor community <laughs> i like um that. but yeah i loved uh i i had this cool thing because i went through rotc um here on the island uh, at school and upon uh or shortly before commissioning you put in your request for what branch you wanted to be assigned to. And I had accumulated enough kind of like seniority or, or rank, I guess you could say, because um, they, they rate all the cadets in the program that are getting commissioned. So I was near enough to the top of the list that I was pretty certain whatever I put in for, I was going to get. But I was massively divided between armor because i wanted to do combat arms um but i didn't want to do infantry i didn't want to do field artillery um and like i didn't have the eyes for aviation and all this other stuff so 
um, like arm, and then we I had a very influential captain who was armor as well, you know. And I was like, yeah, I want to be like that guy. That guy's kind of badass, you know. And 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 Abrams tank is badass, and you know, armor's the best, all that stuff, you know. So, <laughs> but um. I had I wanted to do my combat arms time, but I was really, really interested in military intelligence. I wanted to see what it would be like to be in the intelligence community. I thought that would be a, a fun avenue to explore as well in my career. So the Army has this wonderful thing called Branch Detail Program, which is essentially certain branches don't need that many lieutenants. Um, mm -hmm. they, they really only need captains and above because of just the way the branch is structured. I mean, I don't um, think there's any MOS that really needs lieutenants. Well, yeah, it's an accurate I mean, if point. Got, if we want to get lost in the woods, we can put a private on point. Like, <laughs> that, that's just, just, this is this is true. I was good at land nav at one point, not anymore. But um, what, what's what's the difference between a second lieutenant and a private first class? The PFC's been promoted twice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd heard them all, but no, apparently yeah. not. Welcome um, to Smoke Bit. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so I volunteered for this thing. And, and uh, it, basically, it's like I was commissioned as a military intelligence officer, but mm -hmm. under the branch detail program, they loaned me out to Armor. So I went to Armor Basic, uh, Officer Basic course at Fort Knox, Kentucky at the time. And the concept is like you do your platoon time and your, your first lieutenant time XO stuff. Um, and then you go to the captain's career course, get uh, as an Intel officer, and then you get sent back down to an armor line unit to work as like the battalion S2 and do the Intel workups. Cause it's like, oh, cool. you know how an armor unit operates. Yeah. So now we're going to train you in Intel and then we're going to send you back to an armor unit so you can do the Intel work and be cohesive with the structure because you know how everything's going. You've got the the backdrop of having been a platoon leader and whatnot. So it's a good concept and on paper. It didn't work out that way for me um, because I went, I, I did my armor time, did my first rotation uh, in Baghdad uh, as an armor platoon leader. I didn't have tanks. I had an armored uh, Humvee platoon. So, oh, wow. Ad adapt and overcome, right? What do you, you know? do with that? So <laughs> that was interesting because um, we essentially had to adapt like, armor training in terms of like our maneuverability and and kind of in in most cases being especially in like when i was there 2004 2005 the ieds weren't as sophisticated yet where they could really make a an impact on an abrams you know yeah like the, no that wasn't the, the until worst, like what, 07 08 that they started throwing yeah, like vfps at us from iran that were compromising the armor on anything right and and then you know stacking um the artillery shells like eight nine deep and those were the ones that were like blowing the turrets out of the thing and are, oh you know, they were but, definitely doing that in uh in solder in 05 <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean it was it was nasty but um yeah but really like so in in most cases uh early on like that that you know you have this sense of um 
we're invincible, you know, as long as we're in our, in our tank, you know, like, you know, the worst that's going to happen is like the track is going to get thrown. Um, you know, you might get isolated or, or your comms get knocked out. But like, if you're in the tank, you should be okay. Provided the thing doesn't catch fire, uh, which is bad. Um, but you know, you get put into a Humvee platoon and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we have to adapt how we do everything because we're not invincible. We can get really screwed up if we get hit by one of these things. And Oh, by the way, you know, like, you know, route reconnaissance is different. We have to do log pack, which is, you know, like logistical escort missions and, and, um, yeah, yeah. VIP, you know, take, uh, the brigade commander or take this general from point A to point B and you better not, you better make sure he gets there safe. Like, oh, okay. Got it. You know, uh, just simple things like dropping guys uh, and gals off at the airport at Bayon. So they could go on their two weeks leave. We'd have to do the armed escort for them. So we're going down, uh, you know, Irish and everything else, you know, the IED alley, just things, constantly going off and blowing up and everything so um it was it was you know and then not for nothing we got mixed into because we were um my particular company this was before they had the combat arms battalions so they were still operating as task force so i was bravo company 112 cav which was a tank battalion uh and tank company but Bravo Company got swapped over to 25 Cav, which is mechanized infantry. Mm-hmm. So um, 112 and 25 swapped their Bravo companies. So I ended up being the tank company assigned to a mechanized infantry battalion. So we had to then further adapt because the entire battalion from the top on down had a mechanized infantry mindset, you know, so they had no problems. We, and we only had one platoon of tanks, which was not mine. So they had no problem using my platoon and third platoon as like infantry roles, you know? So we had our fair share of like kicking down doors and stuff too, which is like, wait, whoa, wait a second. We did this for like, like half a day in armor basic. It was just like, they didn't even have an actual shoot house for us at Knox. They had um, engineering tape that they just put a big oh, yeah, those glass houses on the ground. And yep. we just had to go in and clear and like we're tripping all over each other and flopping. And the, and the, and the company commander screaming at us. And we're like, we, we're not, we didn't join up to the, do the infantry thing. You know, yeah, so, it's, it's funny because people do love to, you know, joke about it. And we, it's, it's back and forth. You know, we call you guys dads, dumbass tankers. You know, it's the same thing you call the your crunchies. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we, we love to we love to make fun of the dumbass grunts, right? But I mean when you when you have to like get down to the ground and do our job, like it's incredibly technical. Yeah. And it's it's 100%. interesting. You know, we, we went through this too, man. We um so uh uh two five oh two infantry with the hundred and first, we got I don't know where they came from, we got a company of tanks as well yeah. mm-hmm. after we had like established a foothold. And Sodern was like, you know, we could use some additional support. Right. And so every platoon, I think, or every company in the battalion got two tanks. Okay. I don't know what that equates to, a section, a squadron. Yeah, it's, it's a, se- a section. Yeah. A section. Okay. Yeah, they were not happy when we told them that they were going to have to dismount with us. And um, 
like actually be part of the route clearance. And we're trying to teach them how to do like a deep V and push out. And I mean, they were, they were kicking and screaming going like, absolutely not. We have these tanks for a reason. Like yeah. we can just clear the route for you. Just uh, send us down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what do you, what do you make me work walk like for? that anymore, man? They figured that shit out. The ID wires, the command wires are running 200 meters, 45 degrees out. Hmm. You're not going to set them off. You're going to hit something that's going to kill us, man. And uh, no, we're like, dude, guess what? You're dismounting. One of the guys, like not to make light of this, one of the dudes actually actually killed themselves in the tent the day before we were supposed to go out. Like the dude did not want to get out of his tank. Wow. And yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And I, I, I venture to guess that there were some other things going on with him, you know, to, I, I have to, to take, undertake that drastic of approach. But yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah. Boy, but man. it was uh it was it was good having them there. I'll tell you a funny story about these these tanks. Yeah. And you can you can probably fill in some stories for me, maybe. Sure. But uh we had this this TCP house, a traffic control point. It was one of two ways in and out of solder. Um, everything else was blocked off. And we had these tanks at the TCP, just I mean, they eliminated like like three or four guard positions, you know, with the thermals sure. and all the yeah, yeah. tech in the tanks. Like we didn't need as many boots on the ground. It was great. Right. But uh at some point, and we were right on the Euphrates. And on the other side of the Euphrates was the Marines AO. Okay. At one point, one of the tankers is just scanning and they they see something going on across the river. Or no, it was someone on the roof mm. sees something going on across the river. And they're like, hey, these are bad dudes. Like, can we engage? And someone's got the idea, like, why don't we let the tanks do it? Like, let's see what <laughs> let's see what one <laughs> looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a big deal. Like, we had to, you know, send it all the way up. Sure. Uh, and then they got to push it down into, into the Marines freak and make sure like, okay, we're clear. Yes, clear. Yeah. You can shoot into this sector. Right. And we're all excited. We're like a bunch of us run up on the roof and we're like, we're going to see some shit. <laughs> so they get their distance and direction. Boom. They fire the 120, and they're like, hit, hit, hit. And our FO on the roof is like uh negative. That's not a hit. I got eyes on the target. They're like, no negative. That is a hit. We just watched this, these dudes disappear. So they run all the math again. Apparently, this tank was aimed like an exact click out. They overshot by a thousand meters. Oh my and God. there just so happened to be some bad dudes doing some bad shit a thousand meters out on this exact fucking asset. Oh my God. Talk about divine providence. That, that's some Pulp Fiction shit right there. Right? Like, <laughs> This shit was a miracle, and I want you to acknowledge it. Can you imagine being the first group of guys, though? And you're right. Having a heat round fly past that your head? over your head? Maybe we should go home? That was close. Oh, no. <laughs> right? My cousin. <laughs> They're in the bongo truck later. Like, yeah, no. I'm telling Marcellus Wallace I'm out of this shit oh, today. Oh, yeah, really? That's so <laughs> fun. Like, I remember one time it was like a brigade um might have been brigade level um it was certainly battalion level offensive going on in solder and uh second platoon white platoon from from my company like i said was the only tanks we had for that entire um mechanized infantry task force and so they were like the qrf they would always go in first do the route clearance they would always lead the way into whatever AO we were going in at the time. And uh, my battalion commander absolutely loved them because it's like I had, instead of Abr um, 
Bradleys, I have Abrams, you know, I have tanks that I can utilize. And the um, the Mahdi militia, they threw up a hasty roadblock. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, it was like a repurposed school bus or something okay. that they laid across the road so that they could have like an ambush alley. And um, we hear the battalion commander go, um, hey, hey, white one, uh, I-, I want you to go main gun on that on that roadblock i've got clearance from brigade you're 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 cleared hot or whatever he said and this lieutenant who's now a lieutenant colonel uh which is pretty awesome i think he's actually on the fulberg list i think he's i think he's promotable he's he's been in this entire time but we were um he was a first lieutenant i was i was second but uh, so i'm hearing over the battalion net uh and this uh lieutenant's like i may never ever get the opportunity to fire main gun in combat in my life. So the battalion commander wanted him to fire like one heat round. And this guy just, <laughs> he just let go. Boom, boom, boom. Like they were just going through the gunnery drill with the, the, the loaders just throwing heat rounds in the breach and they're just firing and everything. And you just hear the battalion cyclic with an Abrams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You see the battalion commander like screaming, "White one, cease fire, make a gun!" <laughs> I swear, I swear, he got four Play rounds again? off. Boom! Yeah, yeah. Can't hear you. Boom! <laughs> He's doing that. Wait, I got. We, uh, you know, like the the my radio is breaking up. Fire again! <laughs> it was awesome. It was like we were listening over the net. Like you hear the communications going on. But then out your other ear, you hear the blast going off. And I can yeah. just like imagine the school bus, like, you know, <laughs> just flying to pieces. But joke's on yeah. you, Commander. They packed the school bus full of kids. You're a fucking oh, criminal. Jesus. <laughs> no, no, knowing Mahdi's army, man, they 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 would have done that. There there were instances of um children used as props, which I won't get yeah. into. But yeah. Yeah, no, they were they were pretty brutal. Um, yeah, but, um, to that note, man, you know, we, we definitely note, yeah. away with, uh, a couple we of could, we, could, we could go back uh, and forth with war stories all day. I mean, yeah, that's, no that's, shit. that's no what shit. veterans do, you know, but it's, it's not about the, the, the war porn now. It's about the post-traumatic healing. It is. Yes. And, uh, Which is, a, is an important thing for, for it is. guys, you know, 20 years removed or close yeah. to that i mean was it 18 years now Something yeah like yeah that. yeah it is it's so, wild and it's a long time actually for for guys like us there's there's um this company is actually one of our sponsors is called telemind okay and they provide uh, uh uh mental health services to service members veterans and their families that's awesome and it's, it is man and what's great about them is you know if you're in the va system and you you know finally Raise your hand and go, I need some help, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it could take you, what, half a year to yeah. finally be seen at this, at this rate. Sure. Their wait times are more like two weeks. Oh, that's you know? good. And yeah. all you have to do is ask for the referral. You just go in and say, no, I would like a referral to Telemind. They might the not VA will refer you to them. Yes. They oh, might not nice. know what it is right off the bat, but you just, nope, Google it. Or Google it on your phone and go, these guys, refer me. And they will. That's um, excellent. And it's covered through the VA. Same thing with the, if you're active duty, you know, they take TRICARE. So okay. you go into your provider and say, hey, refer me to Telemind. 
They will. And that's uh, awesome. I care will cover it. For dependents, it's even easier. They just have to call the number. They don't need a referral. They just say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm a dependent of, of this service member. Bam, they're in. Wow, that's fantastic. Send, send me that link after this so yeah. I can I can push that out on my end because that's yeah. that's an awesome uh, resource, you know. It that, is. That it people is. should they're, really they're take advantage bunch. of. Cool. Yeah, they're a solid bunch. I'm actually in the process of getting myself and my daughter uh, enrolled as well through those guys. That's great. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm uh, you know thinking of of using that for some family members as well. You know, um, ex exploring some options. You know that. Uh, you know, for the, the kids and whatnot in terms of uh, dealing with, with their, you know, uh, shrapnel that, that's gotten thrown off over the years from, from my, my stuff. Yeah, so, you yeah know. it's true. Sometimes our shrapnel gets pushed out and they step on it. And now yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, you just, and, and as a parent, you're like, like, it splits you in half because on the one hand, you're like, okay, this isn't really my fault per se like it's coming from me but like i'm doing the work if you know hopefully you're in that place in your life where you're getting the help and you are doing the work so it's like i'm doing the work to get better with something that i didn't really ask for and that i've been grappling with so i'm doing the work it's not really my fault of what's getting cast off because of the things that i'm dealing with and right. then on the other side, as a parent, you're like, holy shit, this is completely my fault. What am I doing to my kid? You know, like, and, yeah. and you, and you want to shelter them and protect them and everything. So I'm very happy to hear that there's a service that extends to the dependents and to the children because it's, it's needed. We don't often think of, you know, all of the touch points that our stuff that we bring home that we wrestle with expands out to your nuclear family and your extended family and friends, you know, just people you meet on the street, you know, the, yeah. the, the old lady in the subway, you know, I mean, like you're, you're sitting there punching out an 82 year old woman because you had a bad day, you know, and it's <laughs> not, not yeah. exactly the most copacetic thing to do. You know? old woman, though. What's I will that? say that it's been a long time since I've knocked out an 82 year old woman. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I, I didn't I've think you were two weeks ago. I, I was gonna say I didn't think you like you know made a collection of it and <laughs> sitting there clipping out news clippings of the random punch out <laughs> of elderly people you know. So that's that's one game you probably didn't get to play too much in Iraq as as a as a heavily mounted element one mm -hmm. punch knockout like you throw money in a pot before deployment like first guy who gets a one punch knockout gets uh, like a case of beer or something oh you infantry guys <laughs> so obsessed with your hand-to-hand -hand combat <laughs> melee attacks all day <laughs> i had a guy the other day who's not in the right mindset um and is civilian and he was in not in the right right mindset because i i think he ingested something if you get what if you know what i mean sure. um but uh he's like yeah man my, my best friend's a ranger he's the he's like the highest you can go and i'm back in my head i'm like well, ranger isn't exactly the highest you can go but you know it's it's a start you know it's a it's a it's an elevated you know step sure. on the stepping stone it's a it's a, it's a really well-funded infantryman right it's, yeah yeah you know and then they, they get scrolls and and tabs and stuff and you know they're, they're all hoo-ah and whatnot yeah but um, sure. You know, 
but I kept that because he obviously didn't know, you know, active duty military and everything. And he was just kind of going on. He's like, yeah, my best friend, man, he's got a hundred confirmed kills and five of them were with his bare hands, man. And I'm like, I just looked at it. I'm like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hold my tongue. I'm like, in what circumstance would a ranger find himself that he would have to kill five people with his bare hands and how would he ever you know even do something like that it sounds exhausting you know like <laughs> you know in, and this guy was just like oh no you know this that and, and, and by that point he just trailed off but i'm like it's either he fought five people in one occasion and you know took out all five with his bare hands yeah. or he had five separate occasions where he killed one man with his bare hands and i'm like the, the it doesn't add up like how how could you possibly find yourself with all the equipment that we have and all the ammo and and your sidearm and your like everything i mean i carried fucking brass knuckles at a certain point <laughs> i had a i had a um uh an ass baton that yes. i used to i actually i carried that as uh and I had like an Iraqi police officer come over to me and I'm like, man, you got to get these people out of here. Like, you know, this, this is ridiculous. You got to control your perimeter. He's like, I've got nothing. I, they sent me out here. I've got this whistle. I've got, you know, they don't listen to me. And I took out my baton. I flipped it open and I handed it to him. This guy started cracking skulls, man. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yo, give me that thing back before I get in trouble. But, but yeah, it was, it was wild hearing that story. And, and like, I wasn't alone. So when I started calling him out on his nonsense, this this guy about the hand to hand combat, like all the other people started like giggling or like, you know, like, <laughs> you just see the guy was full of shit. So, but yeah, it's it <laughs> awesome. A hundred um, confirmed kills, right? Like, who, uh, who you know, the problem like, is, I think that guy probably had some PTSD just from listening to his buddy's stories. Seriously, I mean, yeah, bro, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> But uh, so yeah, there was a kind of a kind of a cathartic healing element to um, to the instructor when you wrote that, wasn't it? Absolutely, there? yeah, absolutely. Because so that path to to writing that. So um, the the cathartic part of writing started when I first reached out um, for help to the VA, um, and, and shortly before that, we're talking like. I've been in counseling with the VA for like 10, the better part of 10 years, maybe even more. Um, and, you know, I was wrestling with a lot of stuff and, but primarily before I went in, I was um, like crippled by these nightmares at night. These like very vivid, ultra violent, like, like terrible, horrible things, you know? And, uh, I wasn't sleeping as a result and like, you know, I was hypervigilant and, and all, you know, just uh, paranoid, all, all the stuff that comes with it. And I found that in session, I couldn't really speak about them because it was like too disturbing to kind of articulate in words. Mm -hmm. So I started writing them down and I found that when I would write, the, the nightmare episode onto paper, whether I typed it or freehanded or whatever, there was that cathartic element. There was this expunging 
of whatever it was. And it was almost like, okay, if, if I put it on this piece of paper and I take the piece of paper and I slide it into the drawer, I don't have to think about it anymore. Like it's done. It's gone. Um, it wasn't like gone. Like I still had to do the stuff, the work to process what was fueling sure. those, but I could function like I could function in my day. You know, there were, there were times where I couldn't even get out of bed because they were so bad. And I was just like laid up. Um, but at least I could, you know, okay, just get to work, take 20 minutes, type this thing up, hit save, and then go about your day. And I was able to do that. Um, and then as we talked about earlier, just my love of fiction writing, my, my imagination, everything, I just kept writing stories and short stories and whatnot. But I found as I started to progress as a writer and started writing more full length novel type manuscripts that I was incorporating more and more themes of my service and PTSD and the therapeutic journey. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward to 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with a work colleague who happens to be retired Marine force recon and an intelligence officer, um, and the survival instructor. And, um, you know, we started kicking around this idea. We were just playing around. It, it wasn't anything serious. I was like writing short stories. I had this like fledgling little short story website that I was running. And, uh, you know, I, I came up with this concept for this, this story about a survival instructor who come, you know, crosses paths with a domestic terrorist group. And I said, like, you know, would, would you mind if I kind of took your blueprint of your, of your career, your backdrop and create this fictional story? And he's like, yeah, whatever, go ahead. You know, I don't, I don't care. So, I, so I started writing this thing <laughs> and it, it took off on me. Like the, the whole thing took off. I, I would come into work with like new chapters and show them to him. He's like, this is awesome. And, and, and then I like, like just kept coming up with twists and turns and, um, but it, really became a vehicle, uh, you know, Derek, the, the protagonist, Derek Harrington, it became a vehicle to really impart and again, expunge on my, on my end, but impart a lot of not only what, you know, PTSD does to the veteran themselves, but the effects that it can have on other people, you know, and, and, you know, he, he's divorced. He's, uh, going through, he's a divorce as a result of his, um, his stuff that he's carried with him. You know, he's alienating his, uh, his son who he cares about more than anything in life, you know, but his relationship is becoming very strained because of, uh, his stuff. Um, he has really bad anger issues, like rage issues, uh, in, in the book. You know, and I just started working that stuff in. And there's other characters that, that you know, bring up other symptoms as well. Um, and, and I just, I take it as a, um, like an opportunity, I guess you could say. Like, okay, if I can, you know, so many guys and gals wrestle with, um, whether or not they should get help, whether, you know, whether or not 
the, you know, the suffer and silence thing, like, oh, oh, you know, like I'm not, I'm not supposed to talk about this or I'm fine, you know, the denial and whatnot. Uh, and then it gets really bad and it gets really, and, and I did that for a little bit and everything, but like I said, I've been doing this for like 10 plus years. I've been in counseling and it's gotten better. You know, it, you got to put the work in, but it's gotten better. And my whole take of it was like, let's use whatever platform I have, whether I'm just talking to somebody on the street or I'm doing a podcast or I have this book, like, let's talk about this stuff. Let's advocate for getting help. Let's get it out there in the open and raise awareness of it and say like, no, it's okay to go into counseling. It's okay to get help and talk about the horrible things because you don't have to carry it your whole life. You don't have to, you know, be crippled by this shit, you know, and lying on your bedroom floor, of you know, or, or patrolling your backyard at 3 a.m., you, you know, with a loaded shotgun, like, that's not healthy, you know, like, we're not there anymore. It, it's, it's, it's done. It's over. So I always feel like the more I can advocate for it and, and my writing is a big part of that, you know, like raise awareness and um, get people talking about it. And the hope is that, you know, somebody somewhere reads it and goes, you know, this is, this is the kind of stuff I've been dealing with and, you know, Oh, Hey, the author has been in counseling and, and he's done this. Like maybe, maybe it's time that I do, you know, it's not the in intended purpose of the book, Obviously, yeah. the book is for entertainment, um, but that's definitely like a, a collateral type thing that I, that I have with it. For me personally, it's like you have all this junk that you went through and you yeah. know, this, all this shit. And yeah, you're in a better place now, but wouldn't it be awesome if I could take all that negativity, all that negative experience and flip it somehow? Absolutely. For a positive outcome, you know? And so yeah. that's, that's kind of like personally my take with on top of the advocacy is like, I want to make something positive out of this shit. So it wasn't like, I just went through all this garbage just to go through it. Like, no, let's, right. let's, you know, turn it into something. So Right. If you can, if you can make that trauma pay off five, 10, 15 years later, do it. Right. You know, people, people ask the question all the time. Do you have to suffer to make art? Yeah. Maybe not, but you, you probably have to suffer a little bit to make good art, <laughs> to make art that means something, to make art that's, that's yeah. you know, worth a damn. So, I mean, if you've suffered, make art. Right. I mean, I, um, I've got a bunch of author friends uh, that I've made in the writing community. They're fantastic. But um, two in particular pop out. Um, one, one guy is great. His name is Nick Petrie. We're represented by the, the same agent. Um, and his protagonist, uh, Peter Ash is a Marine veteran who was in the battle of Fallujah and suffers from extreme claustrophobia from going house to house. Yeah. And, uh, the other one's Connor Sullivan, um, who uh, protagonist is a female protagonist. The name slips my mind at the moment. Um, and that's in his book, Sleeping Bear. Um, she has her issues too, but both those authors, Nick and Connor are not veterans themselves, but they write so convincingly 
that I thought they were. And I was shocked when I read the jacket in the back where I'm like, oh, these guys aren't. And to me, it's like, you don't have to be a veteran. You don't have to experience trauma to write this stuff convincingly. But if you have, then you've kind of got a leg up because you can, you, you know, you don't have to research this stuff. You don't have to, you know, do interviews and, and delve deep into it. Like you've been there, done that, you've experienced it. So it makes it a little easier. You know, it's, it's one is not better than the other. I mean, Nick and Connor's writing is, is phenomenal. And, and I yeah. think far beyond mine. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, oh, well, Tim was a veteran, so it's more authentic. No, that's not the case. Like <laughs> Nick's, Nick's stuff is awesome. Connor's stuff is awesome. I just felt feel like coming from like the um, the backdrop of it of of having to actually put the work into writing this thing like it's it's got to be easier for me rather than those guys who were never who were never in you know never did don't, don't know what the you know acronym for uh, I don't know pick your favorite acronym I don't know. they're escaping me at the Bohica Bohica. <laughs> Oh God! I don't even. Part of my thing, like when I got out and when I was like, before I got into counseling, was um, I like I went through this period of like I I, I almost erased everything from my memory. You know? Oh like, wow! I took you just my, it. Yeah, I'm not gonna use this anymore. Like Men in Black, just you know, just gone. <laughs> you know, look. Look right here, Lieutenant, you know, yeah. and, and just, just gone. I'm um, going to miss my service. No, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I went, I, like, I, I, at one point I walked into the, this room, this spare room that in the house we were renting and there was just all my gear, my uniforms just all piled up that it, you know, and it took up like half the room and I just, I threw it all in the back of, a, of my car and sold it to like a hunting goods store. You know, the guy ripped me off. I didn't care. Just like it gave him like three grand worth of gear and uniforms for like 200 bucks, you know, some, some nonsense, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of the, the stuff, like the acronyms and the training and the, well, like, if you ask me the um, maximum effective range of the 120 millimeter, I'd be like, I think it's like one and a half clicks, but I could be completely off on that like i don't i don't remember i just i just dropped that stuff you know yeah. so if you remember so, bohica i could tell i that. remember bohica i just don't know what it stands for <laughs> you want to tell the audience what bohica stands for no i just said i don't remember i, I oh, remember shit. the okay i remember the acronym i don't remember what the uh what it actually means though bohica stands for bend over here it comes again ah yes <laughs> 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 the, the the more graphic version of foobar <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but but no i mean all, all that being said you know yeah no that pe people who haven't served can write amazing can write amazing stuff you know great example um say david Iyer. you know you you would you would got he's done what training day uh end of yep. watch um bunch of cool stuff mm -hmm. i i honestly i thought he was a cop for a long yeah. time I thought he had a video background. Like, turns out, no, he didn't. Yeah. He's just a really good writer. Exactly. You know, Shakespeare. Who wrote War better than Shakespeare? I mean, he never got close to it. Yeah. But, uh, just, but at the uh, same time, I'm sure it was easier 
it's just as far as to you said, you know, the ease of it. I'm sure it was easier for Stone to do Platoon than Kubrick to do Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, because Stone, you know, for what I understand, Platoon is largely based on his exact experience and the things that he went yeah. through, you know. So, yeah. again, just translating that story to paper and maybe tweaking things and changing names and whatnot, but, you know, pretty darn close those vietnam guys man they holy hell and then they look at us and they're like we don't know how you guys did it yeah I, one like, of the most interesting experiences i've ever had with that was at the infantry museum on on uh what used to be fort benning is now fort moore named right? after how moore yeah, um which is appropriate because this this story involves meeting a guy who served with uh moore on lz x-ray Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. I met him standing outside the uh, the Vietnam exhibit, um, and he was just like you know staring off a little bit. He looked a little, a little thousand yardy, and like, hey man, how you doing? Oh, there's a lot here. He said something like that, like man, there's yeah. a lot here. I'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah. We started talking about that, and you know, again, it was like don't know how you did it, man. And he looks at me like like I had a dick growing out of my forehead. He's like. I don't know how you did it. Like, yeah, at least we knew who the fucking enemy was, man. Like, Jesus, it could have been anyone with you guys. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I guess. But the biggest thing I get from the Vietnam guys is we were one and done. Like, you know, we, we had like two year, two year enlistments. A lot of times, you had one year train up, mm -hmm. one deployment, and you were you were done if you were drafted. You know, um, and they look at me and they be like. The, the concept that in 12 or 18 months that we would be going right back there for another year and that we would keep up that operational tempo year after year after year for two decades where you're spending half that time deployed fighting the same fight. They're like, I couldn't like, we barely made it through the, our, our one year that we had to serve in country, you know, like to have to go back over and over again. So, you know, honestly, I think I think we had it better in that in that way. Um, I get what you're saying. You know, you you show up 365 and wake up, you're done. But the way they were rotating out there, man, I mean, a unit would go out there and stay, and the only thing that would rotate out was the troops. Yeah. So you had guys showing up, and like you know, they're in this salty fucking platoon with guys who were like 83 and a wake up left, you know, and they're just right. like, you know, piece of shit FNG that nobody wants to get near because right. they're just gonna die or get someone killed. Yeah. Um, and, yeah that, 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 and then they that, go home alone. They go home with nothing right. versus us. At least, at least we trained up with the same dudes. We, 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 you know, got to know and got to love and hate the same people right. for, you know, however long it was. And then we know at least the goal is that we're all coming home together. Right. To fight the next one. Yeah. I would take that model. I would take our model over their one and done any day man oh certainly that yeah that logistical like oh we're just going to use individual augmentees in and out yeah. which coincidentally was my second deployment i was an individual augmentee to okay um, you know where i was just sent over by myself came home by myself uh, you know it was just it was, a, it was a different experience you know the, the big army's gotten away from that obviously with you know the way that they have combined arms battalions and like you just articulated, you know, whole units going in and out in the plug and play fashion. But there still is those 
um, I guess, periphery ancillary services that need just, we need a guy here. We need two guys yeah. there. And they just, you know, throwing pawns around the chessboard kind of thing. Yeah. And those guys had a hard time. We, we had one of those, uh, you know, I think the Marines, they call them like a, a boot drop, if you will. Something the, like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. about replacements. And yeah. Uh, you know, we got a, we got a handful of those sent out to our platoon. So we had, we'd taken a lot of casualties uh, at this mm. point and we were, we were low, man. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, these, this, this, this fresh brute drop comes out. Now they had a really hard time assimilating, you know, again, because we were just, you know, these salty fucks that have been there for the better part of a year at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, half of those guys were on, on the last deployment together. Right. Um, didn't make it any better that like, you know, when they got to us, one of our first times outside the wire, uh, we took, uh, an absolutely catastrophic mass cast mm, it was this mortar volley at like it was the, the perfect storm man we're like mm. the platoon was coming in off patrol the ias were doing their shit in the courtyard force pro was going out on a on a on a on an ied sweep we ended up taking i think like 31 32 casualties and i mean at the end of that thing we had like i was a pfc team leader mm. we had like e4 squad leaders our wow. platoon sergeant was an E6, and our platoon leader was an E6. Oh, wow. Like, we didn't even have a fucking lieutenant at this point. We had a senior staff sergeant as our platoon leader. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it was rough. That was, I mean, that's rough, man. Yeah. Especially if you're a, a new guy walking in, you know, like, that's crazy. Yeah. One of them actually got tagged in that, in that mass cow, uh, that mass cas, and, um, he got caught like ripping his this wound open in his leg with a Gerber, mm. just just to stay inside the wire. He was like, "Nope, if that if that's what it's like, yeah. I'm not going back." Yeah, yeah. So he ended up uh, got rid of him, but yeah, obviously, obviously, yeah, he, he's not really the the guy you want watching your back. No, no, yeah. I'm happy to have him do our laundry. That's fine. right, <laughs> right. Grab yeah. us some to go plates. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, fun times, man. All good stuff. So what's Great. on the uh what's on the agenda? What do you I know you got some ideas kicking around. What's what are you writing next? So uh so when I signed with uh, my publisher, I signed with uh, Tor Forge, um they signed me to a two book deal. So I am uh as as a series. So I am now in the final edits of the sequel. Um so Derek's all, coming back. Derek is back, baby. Derek, I've got, um, Derek, I've got pegged for at least in this storyline. In this story, least... Derek gets pegged. <laughs> Jesus, this took a turn. Jesus. Okay. Yes, yes, I'm going from wilderness survival, domestic terrorism, combat to um, erotica. Uh, you know. <laughs> wilderness did this come from one of your experiences overseas too <laughs> we, we we did get close over there you know no um somebody somebody's got to be the little spoon um no no uh derek i have planned out for um three to four books in this particular storyline uh and then from there I plan to spin him off into like individual standalone kind of one and done books. 
um, depending on the things I can come up with. And then there's also certain characters uh, in the sequel in particular. Uh, there's two characters that I would like to spin off into their own um, their own series as well. Uh, or at least their own one and done about like their backstory and everything. Um, you know, and then I got some, some other ideas of like, I can turn him into kind of, cause Derek's an older guy, like he's a retired Marine. Um, so he's in like his, um, I'd say early forties when this book starts, you know, right. probably early to mid forties. So he can't be doing this forever. You know, like I, I don't have the longevity of like, say Nick's guy, Peter Ash, because that picks up like just a few years after he got out and you know, guys not even like 30 yet, or, or maybe just turned 30. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I've got this, you know, kind of shorter window for the running and gunning with Derek, you know? So at a certain point, I want to transition him over to like the Obi-Wan role where he's, you know, raising young Jedis uh, up and, and nice. those people get spun off into their own stories. And then I got all sorts of stuff that, doesn't even touch the the universe of the instructor, you know, okay. um, all sorts of other standalones and, and different characters that I want to work with different genres. You know, um, I said earlier, this, I, I write, I started off writing fantasy novels. I've got a horror novel in mind. I've got some historical fiction in mind. I've got a, uh, a paranormal adventure kind of, murder mystery magic type story involving harry houdini so okay. that one could be pretty cool um yeah i got a good idea about that one so you know the wheels are always turning there's always stuff but for right now finishing the sequel it's coming along nicely i think people are gonna uh, really enjoy it. it picks up right where um the instructor leaves off and goes forward into the storyline and we expand we start getting, you know, a, a larger, the 50,000 foot view rather, you know, um, cool. than, than just, just Derek dealing with the one camp in upstate New York. We start going out into the wider continental U.S. a little bit. So, yeah, very good. Any thoughts yeah. of uh, converting any of these stories for the screen? I'd love to, a hundred percent. You know, there's... A um, couple of inklings of interest out there, you know, which is exciting. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, the reviews are good right now. And I don't know what the sales numbers are, but if if the reviews on the book uh, keep the rating that, that it's holding right now, it's like low, it's in like the four point lowish out of five star range on, on most of the services where it's offered. So, you know, four out of five stars isn't bad. And if we get enough people and the sales are good and everything, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, uh, those inklings of interest, you know, really pick up and everything, but I'd love to, I, I, I want to be, you know, part of the adaptation where I'm, you know, on the set sitting there saying like, you know, I, I'll, I'll do the, Arlie yeah. Ermy thing where I go running onto the onto the uh, set and be like, that's bullshit. That's not how it would be done, you know, and everything else like that. I actually want to be one yep. of the. Yep. Um, you know, it's like you know what you do it. Yeah, there's there's um there's twelve guys in the book that Derek directly trains. 
but I really only name and describe like half of them because like having 12 people to keep track of in a book is just, is pointless, you know? So, um, I want to be one of those, if it gets transferred to the screen, I want to be one of those six nameless guys in the, in the training where I just have like a tooth missing and, you know, like, And, and a mullet, you know, and I'm just like in the background in my gear, just walking around aimlessly, like I don't know anything, which is, you oh, know, that'd be cool. would harken back to my <laughs> lieutenant days anyway. So, you know, I'm good to go. <laughs> Maybe holding a map upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Pointing the compass. <laughs> awesome, man. Where can people find the instructor? The instructor is um, available at all the major retailers, uh, Amazon. Barnes and Noble, um, Books a Million, but it's also out in all the independent local bookstores as well. Uh, and if they don't have it on hand, you can ask them to order it. Uh, I love supporting, um, you know, local business, independent bookstores. Uh, the, you know, the big retailers are great, but though that that spider web of independent um, bookstores, uh, local bookstores, is just you know phenomenal so um and they're like the lifeblood of the industry so you can definitely check them out there um i am at uh re um sorry that's my old one i'm at uh trhendrixauthor.com that's my website you can find me on twitter at tr underscore hendrix you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Reed TR Hendricks. Uh, and yeah, sign on up, you know, drop on by and, and pick up the instructor. Beautiful. We got live events coming soon too. I did, oh, I, cool. did a, I did a live book launch in New York City to um to you know for to celebrate the actual pub day on April eleventh. Uh, and now I've got some, some stuff coming up over the summer. So stay tuned for that as well. Outstanding. Well, definitely please make sure to push out any, uh, any of your live stuff where you're, where you're going to be out and yeah. out, especially if you're coming out into my neck of the woods, man, if you're going to be in the greater DC area, sure. let me know, dude. Oh, um, and, uh, and I'll definitely get that information on Telemind, uh, to you. So you can push that out on your end. Sounds great. Cool. Well, man, again, Awesome talking with you. Great to, yeah. great to see you face to face again. Thank you so much for, for coming out and congrats on all the success, man. Thanks. Same to you. On everything to come. Yeah. Excited. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me. Congrats on pop smoke. I mean, it's just absolutely awesome content. Uh, I, I love you. what you guys are pushing out. Uh, I love the smoke pit and, um, and yeah, this is, this has been a blast. Uh, not, just from a catching up perspective, but, you know, just, just from, uh, having the opportunity to talk about these things and, uh, yeah. I'd love to come back for the, for, uh, the sequel. So let's do this again. Absolutely, man. Maybe we can yeah. get you in the studio for that one. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool. That'd be awesome. All right. Be well. All man. right. Parna. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Take care.